Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenitz with Southern California Prep Insider. And uh, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about this week before we get started. And You know, it came up yesterday, surprisingly enough, in my softball game. I play softball every Wednesday night. It's my thing I like to do a lot. Uh, you know, go play some ball at the Poway Sportsplex. And we jumped out on a team last night fairly quickly and probably had one of the best games we've ever had offensively. And we were up, I forget what it was. I mean, the final score was 31-8. to So you could see at, at one point um, there was a, a need to call off the dogs, so to speak. And the other team started getting upset because we were, you know, still taking some pitches and we advance maybe an extra base on something that we probably shouldn't have, or in their opinion, and 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 you know not and took a couple walks when they had some bad pitches late. And one of the guys said, "You're up 21, 20 runs. Why aren't you swinging at that pitch?" And my answer to that was, it wasn't me up to bat. I was I was watching, but I I answered because I'm a loudmouth. I said. Just because you know we're going to take it easy doesn't give you the right to just give us fake pitches to swing at. And I think that can be applied to high school football, and it does get applied because there's a lot of blowouts every year. And I want to know from you guys what the unwritten rules are. What are, you know, when do you call it off? When do you start running between the tackles? When do you start... Um, you know, not going for it. You know, the, you know the unwritten rules of sportsmanship. But on the other hand, I also want to know if the other team that is getting is on the wrong end of you know a lopsided score, and you see that the other team's calling off the dogs. Are you still the team that blitzes? Are you still the team that brings out their ones and starts going for it and starts uh, you know going no huddle? Uh, with the running clock, are you the team that puts their, um, you know, starts running trick plays, knowing that the other teams kind of call up the dogs? What is the unwritten rules in this? And I want to know from you, and I think it might be a good topic for next week. But I want to know where do you sit, and what's your opinion on this? And we'll we'll make a sided debate for it as well um, when it comes to sportsmanship. And when you're up on somebody, how do you call off the dogs? And then at what point? Does the other team, you know, play down to that same level? Because the thing is, I mean, you could talk about all you want. You know, you get the run. We talked about the running clock, and we could talk about how you want to get out of the games. You want to stay healthy. All right, that's great. And if you're for that, and the other team's for that, and they're not trying to run it up, that's good. But if you're the team that's losing, I think there's some unwritten rules of how way you guys should act as well. Because you can't just start teeing off on the other team that's winning knowing that, look, they're only going to run up the middle. They're not going to throw the ball. You can't just all of a sudden load the box. I think that I think the integrity with that is also flawed. I think it needs to go both ways. Because to me as a coach, and this is my opinion, and you can think of me what you will, but if, you know, if I'm the team that's up and we're starting to run between the tackles, and you start loading the box, or you put your ones back in, I'm putting my ones back in, I'm throwing it over. Throwing it over the top. I think there needs to be a gentleman's agreement to that when it comes to you know, the unwritten rules of lopsided victories. 
And that's my opinion. It came up last night, and I thought it would be a good to- uh, topic of discussion. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, as far as this week, the topic of discussion is the new rating system and how uh, it's not really new. It's been in effect for the last couple of years since we got the open division. You got rid of the human element, and you're starting to go with all Cal Preps, which is what Max Preps uses. Cal Preps is a little bit faster with it and a little bit more up to date than Max Preps is. So that's why I say the Cal Preps one. But anyway, it's the same mathematical equation. Uh, so we'll get into that and, and discuss whether or not we're for or against that uh, with a couple of good coaches that we have on. Two undefeated coaches, Joe Kramer of St. Augustine in his first year and Marlon Gardnera in his second year as a head football coach um, for high school football at Scripture Ranch. And um, he's also undefeated this season. And it's cool to have these two coaches on. They're both from the city leagues. And uh, they're both coaches that didn't necessarily know they wanted to become coaches, um, you know, out of college or when they're, you know, at their job. And, and they each have a different, unique story to it and how they're building their program the way they want to have it um, in their first couple of years. So we'll get into that with, uh, with Coach Kramer and Coach uh, Gardnera at Scripps and at Saints. And we'll talk about some other things. I, 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 first of all, a big round of applause to the entire county. You guys all pat yourself on the back. Uh, unbelievable job, I thought, this weekend with San Diego representing themselves out of section. Um, because in, in, when we had that week one scare and we weren't doing uh, Oceanside lost and Helix lost and we weren't winning those games out of section. It got a little concerning, especially with the way last year played out. But last week was probably one of the best weeks San Diego has had playing the southern section. Lacoste Canyon went up to San Clemente and got a victory. We had Santiago and Eastlake. Eastlake getting the victory over Santiago. Another big win. Cathedral Catholic had the game of the weekend by completely dismantling Sarah Gardena, who was the number 12 team in the state. And not only did that help their cause, but it helped a lot of other teams in San Diego's cause as well, and it boosted their rating. La Costa Canyon's rating went through the roof after Cathedral Catholic beat Sarah Gardena. And it was just a good overall weekend. And there's a couple other teams. West Hills got a win out of section. And I think overall when I was looking at it, including the um, Imperial County teams, and they play a lot of schools in Arizona all the time, but if you include those teams, I'm pretty sure we went 12-4 and out of section this weekend. Which that's an that's an incredible task, and shout out to Helix. I know they came up just a touchdown short, but with the injuries that they had, and they didn't have their starting quarterback late in the game, and Elion Noah hasn't played in two weeks, and the way they battled back against the Saguaro team from Arizona, who is really good, and who will probably be in contention for a state championship out there in Arizona, I think they did a hell of a job. So congrats to all you coaches that played out of section this weekend uh, for representing San Diego well. It was it was a great overall uh, performance by our guys last weekend. As far as anything else is concerned, when it comes to um, you know the county, I, I think the majority of this weekend has to be talked about. Uh, what happened last week has to be discussed. Of you know how we did out of section. Um, you know some teams looked good, some teams looked okay in section. Um, but it was a lot of it's a lot of you know games that are just you know not really testers for teams. Uh, like Madison, for example, they didn't really get tested last week. Um, oh yeah, shout out again to St. Augustine for their big win. They they beat Loyola last weekend um, up at Loyola, 
and um, hammered those guys. They won 28 to 10. Another great win for the county. Um, but again, a lot of the in section teams weren't really playing anybody. I was shocked at the San Marcos Oceanside score. Uh, I'm not that big of a believer in Oceanside, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that was pretty telling to see just what San Marcos is. Yes, they're three and zero. Yes, they beat Grossmont, but uh, I don't really. I'm not. I'm not a believer in Oceanside, and the fact that that game clo- was close is a little concerning. If you're San Marcos, Mission Hills. Uh, I talked about it on the football podcast earlier this week. I think they have had a brutal schedule, and I think it pays off on Friday. I think they get the win against Carlsbad on Friday, and we'll get to our game picks later on in the program. But I'd like to see any team in San Diego have the schedule that Mission Hills had and win more than one game. I'd love to see it because that that is a challenging task, and Coach Hauser probably overscheduled a little bit, but I think it's going to help his team in the long run. As now they get to league play and the tough competition they're going to have in league play is going to seem easier to them because of the competition they played out of section. So look for them to have uh, to start getting on the winning rays, and um, you know prayers out to uh, the Mission Hills family uh, for the loss of their coach, um, one of their assistant coaches that passed away uh, not too long ago. Uh, we're going to keep him in our thoughts and prayers and his family in the Mission Hills community um, as they handle this this um, tough loss. So when we come back, we'll discuss with Coach Kramer and Coach Gardnera. We'll meet up with the two. Uh, we'll start with Coach Marlon Gardnera of Scripps Ranch High School. Talk to him about his squad. Talked about how he's 3-0 and and uh, how he got into coaching and his playing days at Oklahoma State. And you're going to like this interview. It's going uh, to be a fun one. You're listening to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Suprenit on Southern California Prep Insider. Welcome back to the Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Suprenit. I'm now joined by head coach of the Scripps Ranch Falcons, Marlon Gardnera. Coach Marlon, how are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. So let's get into it. You're a you're a local guy, San Diego guy, went to Mission Bay High School, um, played football and, and, and baseball, the two sports that I know of. You ended up playing baseball at Oklahoma State. What um you know, did you get any football offers as well? What 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 came to your decision making to uh you know continue your baseball career at Oklahoma State? Well, you know, there were offers. I was in the Fresno State, Hawaii, Air Force, Colorado State range, uh, as a middle linebacker coming out of high school class of ninety one. Uh and then there were plenty of baseball opportunities. Uh you know, at the time, uh, I, I was—I had my mother and father, but my father wasn't much into sports, so I didn't get much advice. And for some reason, I chose what I called the lazy route. I could practice football four or five days a week, lift weights, and work really hard. I could shag fly balls in the outfield and try to hit the ball as far as I could. So you see what choice I made. We talk about, you know, you made that decision. Were there any points in uh, your college career that you said, hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I should have played football, or did you uh, you enjoy the decision once you made that decision? You know, I don't regret much in life, uh, and I don't often play the, you know, if I or should I. Uh, but I would say this. If I had advice, I probably would have signed. I was drafted by the Astros out of high school. I probably would have signed with the Astros if it didn't work out in my career path wasn't clear that I was headed towards the big leagues. I probably could have gone back to college and accepted some of the offers that might have been available. 
uh, I forget the kid's name that played uh, uh, for Oklahoma State, the quarterback, and then he went and pitched for the Yankees. Uh, or actually the other way around. Brandon he pitched for the Yankees. He was a high draft pick. And then he went back to Oklahoma State and dominated at the college level. So if I had it to do all over again, I might have played baseball out of high school, see how far it went, and if not, gone back to school. Yo, but you definitely enjoyed the, you know, being a cowboy at Oklahoma State. You know, you come back to San Diego, and you know, you just got into coaching at the high school level uh, not too long ago. Um, you know, in, a member of the Script Ranch community. When you, when that job opened up, how how excited were you to jump on that? And when you found out that you got the job, um, what was going through your mind uh, once you found out the news that you're going to be the new head football coach of Script Ranch? So this is going to probably come to a shock to most of your listeners. There was no part of me that had ever wanted to be a head coach at the high school football for high school football ever. Prior to becoming the head coach at Scripps Ranch, I was the football director and a head coach at Scripps Ranch Pop Warner. I had taken my older son from the flag level all the way through the eighth grade. We had some pretty uh, good years, lots of success, lots of kids learning how to play football, and more importantly, using football to help young men uh, become good men. Uh, and when I saw the opportunity there, I'll be honest, I really wanted the freshman job. I wanted to take the class that I had brought up over the last seven years one more year and help them transition to high school. But I think the key difference was I know what a football program is supposed to look like. We even talked about the possibility of me playing football at Oklahoma State. So I know what a program looks like. I know all of the parts and pieces. And I really walked in an interview and said, I didn't expect to get the job. What I wanted to do was raise the standard. I wanted to raise the bar. I said a football program is supposed to have this in terms of a weight program. A football program should have study hall and should emphasize the importance of grades. A football program should be focused on character development, teamwork, hard work, commitment, dealing with adversity, persistence, all of the characteristics you can get from football. And I think they they knew very clearly or very quickly that, you know, it wasn't all about football. The X's and O's, you know, lots of people know X's and O's. Um, they don't really change all that much. Uh, certainly you can be better prepared and do, your, do a better job coaching the kids up. But football is sort of football. I think they understood that I was trying to bring the things that football can bring to these little kids since most of them aren't going to the NFL. So when I got the job, what I, what I felt was surprise. Uh, thinking one, did they not have someone else who brought all of this to the table? But two, this is a great opportunity uh, to use football to get everything you can out of every young man in that program. So I was shocked to even be interviewing. I was even more shocked to get the job, but I couldn't be happier because I certainly knew what to do if I did get the job. And here we are, you know, about 18 months later, um, looking at a 3-0 football team and, and a bright future. Let's talk about you know the transition period because we've had some coaches on that have made that adjustment from Pop Warner to high school, and you you said it you know how the football program worked. Was there any uh, hard adjustment from you know the Pop Warner jump to uh to high school, or, or knowing that how how a football program works was that an easy uh, transition for you last year? So I knew how a football program works. I, I had seen it. I had been close enough to them. Uh, I understand kids, and my number one job in life is being a father. So I knew if I applied the principles I apply in my home to my own two boys, to a hundred boys, they would have a level of success that they weren't used to having, regardless, quite frankly, of whatever sport we were going to play. Because, and you know, we, we, we often joke about it, we call it old school. I don't negotiate with kids. 
what they do uh, is at our direction, and the level and intensity in which they do it is, is above and beyond the bar we set. If you set a low bar, that's what you get back. So I knew I was going to set a high bar. So I, I knew we would push or propel the kids to success just by raising the standard, by raising the expectation, uh, by being more uh, accountable uh, to the players for their development as opposed to just being guys out there screaming and telling kids what to do. But as far as the transition, no. Uh, there are some great coaches in high school football. There are some mediocre coaches in high school football. And there are some programs that, that, that need more. I find that it's very similar to Pop Warner. The only adjustment is that the kids are older and capable of doing more. So you can add more layers to the game than you could when they were younger. But that just goes along with a kid's natural development. You don't have the same conversation with your 16-year-old that you do with your 12-year-old. But most dads are prepared to deal with kids at 12 and 16, even if it's their first kid. So the transition wasn't too bad. Uh, I did have to accept that the senior class had learned how to do things one way, and they were three and a half, four years into it. So transitioning what I thought was a very talented senior group last year was tough. And I'll just be honest with you, I've never been two and eight in anything I've ever done in my life. So last year was the first and hopefully the last for me. But there was some adjusting in the fact that I couldn't steer the ship in, in, in an entirely different direction in one year. Uh, but I am confident that the ship is turning. Uh, and I learned a lot from those guys, and I already missed some of them. But I learned a lot from the class that I had. And, and you're right, the transition is, hey, it's a new atmosphere, new coaches, new uh, level of expectation. Uh, so I would definitely call last year an adjustment year. Let's talk about this year and the in the team that you have. You got a lot of young guys. What I keep hearing from you know out of Script Ranch, being uh, involved with that community as well. You know the young the young classes are good, but you got some uh, you got some good players on the varsity roster right now. Tell us about a couple kids you got. I know your running back uh, is 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 a really good player. I saw him on the PPR last week. Um, talk to us about some of the kids. In fact, your own kid uh, on this football team. Well, I'm fortunate enough to uh, have had some, some pretty good kids, and they live up to the standard that I talk about bringing to a football program. My son, my older boy, Nicholas, uh, he's a 14-year-old sophomore. He is our running back, and he's having he's off to a great, great start. To me, he's just applying the principles he's been he's been confronted with his entire life, uh, and, and he's running with it, and, and I couldn't be more proud. Now, it's always interesting, though, because I have a 12-year-old son a couple years behind him, and every time we talk about football, the younger one says daddy ball. Uh, but after going to a couple games, even the younger one is convinced his brother's working hard and having, having pretty good success. Uh, to that accord, I've got a, a sophomore free safety uh, that is just a phenomenal athlete, uh, works hard, 4.0 student, another sophomore, and Ethan Nicholas. We've got a nose tackle, another sophomore, Carter Foss, uh, big kid, great, great pitcher in baseball. I would imagine he'll be a high draft pick in baseball, but he's an athlete. So we're fortunate enough to have him out for football. Those three sophomores are major, major contributors to our program. After that, I call it the class. Our biggest group, uh, our talent base, our success is predominantly based on our junior class. They start in, I believe, uh, 17 of the 22 starting positions. So everything you see this year, you're going to see next year. We lose two or three seniors that actually start and get a lot of playing time. So this team, I don't know how you get too much younger, 
but the class is the junior class. Uh, the three or four seniors that are active are, you know, and we've got more, and they, and they play their roles in the game, but the three or four predominant seniors, you know, we'll miss them. Uh, but we're teaching kids how to step up and be the next man up. So the best thing about this year is that we get to repeat it again next year. Let's talk about your game coming up on Friday. You play Mira Mesa, the rival across the 15th freeway. Um, they're a team that's loaded with talent. Uh, they had a lot of young guys last year and took their licks. Now they they're coming back, and I know you watched some film on them. So what what sticks out to you is some things that Mira Mesa does really well. Uh, the first thing they do really well is get a kid like Noah Tumlin who lives in Scripps Ranch uh, <laughs> to play for them. Well, that kid is amazing. He's quick. It's good decisions as far as the RPOs. You know, he understands the reads. So while we're deep in film, we still have to deal with the reality of the number of athletes they have because they are loaded with talent. Um, you know, this was one of those first scheduling things. Uh, when I got the, the job, the league changed and the first five games of the season were open. And certainly for me, having gone to Oklahoma State, I absolutely understand the importance of a rival. So Mayor Mason will always, always, as long as as long as they'll have us, will always be on that schedule. Uh, so uh, looking at the rivalry, they've got more athletes. But it is a rivalry game, and we've seen time and time again. Uh, and I like to think of uh, Oklahoma State versus that other school. Forgive me, I don't say their name. <laughs> We're the little brother. But the emotions that run high in the rivalry sometimes make that little brother stand up and, and, and do what he needs to do. So we certainly hope that's the case this year. Uh, they, they really do have a good team. I'd say this is one of the best teams they've had in years. And, and we even get to hear it firsthand. Our new defensive coordinator, John Taylor, has been Mary Mason's defensive coordinator for a number of years. So we, we know what we're coming up against. Uh, but, again, we've raised the bar at Scripps Ranch. So I think you may see a little bit more than, than people are used to in this matchup. And I think I heard you earlier today on another broadcast saying you expected them to win by three touchdowns. Well, we're going to do everything we can to use that as fodder, uh, to turn that around. Uh, but it's a tough matchup. Uh, and the boys are looking forward to it. Hey, I love uh, you know supporting any type of billboard material as possible, especially for uh, you know my home homegrown uh, Scripps Ranch Falcons. So what what does Scripps Ranch have to do, in your opinion, in order to get the victory on Friday? Well, they're able to light up the scoreboard. Uh, so the first thing we have to do from a defensive standpoint is, is try to avoid that. You've got to contain Noah. Uh, they've got a couple other weapons that you've got to get your hands around uh, because sometimes these players can just can can win from pure athleticism. Uh, so the matchups, uh, they're not always even across the board, uh, but we're playing team defense this year. If you saw any of our games last year, you might have wondered sometimes where the defense was. Uh, that's not the case this year. So with the defense actually being major contributors, obviously, to our success, uh, we're pretty confident in our offense. We're, we're looking for weaknesses in the defense, and we're going to do everything we can to exploit those, as you would normally expect. Uh, and then we're going to hope that the uh, adrenaline and rivalry itself takes over. Uh, I would never discount our team, ever. Uh, there's some boys with some heart and, and some some fight. And, and anytime they step on the field, uh, they're going to be competitors. So I'm as interested as everybody else out there in the outcome. Uh, and we are preparing them, uh, you know, despite maybe the disparity in athleticism, we're preparing them to win. Uh, so, fortunately, this one, we get to fight it out on the gridiron. Now, I will say, and I certainly don't like being billboard fodder for the other team, 
I think you said the record in the broadcast I heard earlier was uh, 18 uh, wins for Mira Mesa, four for Scripps Ranch. Yes. I clearly, as a head coach, want to change that. Um, as in every, any rivalry, I'd like to get back to 500 and then start duking it out to see who's better. Uh, but we have a long way to go, uh, and that'll start this Friday. Yeah, one last question before we get to the topic of the week. Uh, you got a transfer quarterback, it's sophomore, uh, in the name of Durkin, who came over from St. Augustine. His dad owns the gym down the street. I, I know you got him involved with some strength and conditioning. He runs the, the top-of-the-line you know, facility over there in Scripps Ranch. What does it mean to have him as a member of the community um, be a part of your program and, and, uh, and help the athletes over there at Scripps Ranch? First, the community as a whole has been amazing. I think they feel the energy that these kids are putting out there. I think they see the turnaround and attitude and culture of the football program and the support from the community, from our school, from our administration has been phenomenal. Now, Todd Durkin is a special person. Uh, he trains some of the most notable quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and if you're ever in the area and in, in, near Scripps Ranch before the football season, they're all there. Uh, so I'm lucky enough to have been uh, on the receiving end of a transfer from Saints uh, who, you know, I'd like to think has that pedigree. The kid trains hard. He knows what it means to be a quarterback. He, he does the reps to improve his skills. Uh, we're really fortunate that this kid decided to come home. And like most programs, you know, we hate to lose our kids to private schools, uh, but we're fortunate uh, when they come back. And in this case, when they, we got the kid back, we also were able to add his father's strength and conditioning coach. So I can say without a doubt, the, the, the program and, and its student-athletes are in tip-top shape. Uh, this is the best shape they've probably been in in many years. Uh, and they're still working at it. Uh, like I said, the class, uh, the junior class is, is still dominating the team with some, some significant sophomores, but they all know they have to build and prepare their, their bodies and their minds. So the benefit of having the community support is overwhelming. The benefit of having Todd Durkin, who trains the best, train us uh, is it's just it's awesome. There really aren't words to have that, that quality of, of talent and, and resource on our staff. Marlon Gardnera, the Scripps Ranch High School uh, Falcons head football coach. Thanks again for joining me. He's got uh, his boys 3-0, and taking on Mira Mesa 3-0, and the first time the two rivals will ever go head-to-head undefeated on Friday night. Coach, thanks for joining me, and good luck on Friday. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Welcome back to the Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Suprenant. I'm now joined by the head coach of the St. Augustine Saints, Joe Kramer. In his first year, he's got the Saintsmen 3-0. Coach, congrats on the good start, and uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So, Coach Kramer, let's talk about how you got into coaching. I've asked every coach that's been on my podcast, um, you know, the drive that they got to get into coaching. What was the start for you? What was the itch, and uh, why did you get into it? I grew up in Ohio, so I was you know, a hotbed of football. My, my whole life I played, I think I started when I was seven years old. And I uh, just loved the game ever since I was a little kid. And I uh, was pretty successful in high school. Was able to go on and play at Indiana University in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, had a good career there. Started for two years and led it all four. And um, after I graduated, I got into some sales stuff and some life insurance and other things like that, and I just wasn't happy. And uh, my wife, who I met in college, um, she said, well, why don't you get into uh, coaching? And I don't know if she knew what that meant, 
because, you know, I'm getting home at 9 p.m. every night now. You know what I mean? But uh, so she kind of encouraged me to get into it. And that was about uh, eight, eight or nine years ago. And, uh, you know, I just worked, worked my butt off. And here I am now. Let's talk about uh, your playing days in Indiana and, and playing in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I had David Dunn on last week. He was fortunate enough to play college football and, and play in the NFL as well. Um, you know, playing in the Big Ten, talk to us about the animal that that was and how much fun did you have, you know, playing college football? Well, college football is an unbelievable experience and not just a good one. I mean, there are ups and downs. Um, it is very, very difficult, not only physically but mentally. And so – I remember when I first got there and, um, you know, I'm sitting in the dorm room during camp and there's a couple of days into uh, practice. And I'm like, how do I get out of here without disappointing all my friends and family? And so I had a, I had a guy that was my roommate named Justin Fry, who was the uh, offensive line coach at UCLA now, who I played with. And he just encouraged me. You know, it's one of those leadership things. He encouraged me, hey, just keep showing up. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good. You belong here. Things like that. And, uh, you know, I just – as soon as he kind of gave me that little confidence that I belong there, um, you know, I just worked my butt off, and it was ended up being an amazing experience. I mean, I played in some of the greatest stadiums in the country, and uh, we ended up being pretty decent my senior year. Went to a bowl game, played uh, Oklahoma State. Des Bryant, we, we didn't win the game, but, um, you know, it was just a great experience. Met lifelong friends there. I uh, couldn't ask for more from my college football. Uh, and then, obviously, it taught me a lot of – it taught me a lot about the game of football, so I, I can kind of relate to my players and let them know, you know, they all want to play college football, so I have kind of some answers for them when they ask questions, and I think that's a benefit to me and uh, and, and, and our kids here, I think. Well, it's a huge benefit to have. So how does a kid from Ohio and a football player at Indiana find himself coaching high school football in San Diego? <laughs> well, I mentioned my wife before, Maggie, um, She's from here. She, she's a Navy kid, so she grew up in a Navy family, and uh, she lived in San Diego area until she was about 15 and moved to the Midwest um, with her with her dad and mom. And so she ended up going to Indiana, and we just met at a college party at Indiana and, you know, became real serious. And after we graduated from school, um, we moved out here. She asked me, if, do you want to go out to San Diego? And I'd never even been to California before. And I'm like, let's go. You know, I'm living, in, I'm living with my parents, and – uh, for for I was a year older than her, so I was living with my parents for a year, uh, trying to find a job and just wanted to get out of there and explore the country. And and so fortunate enough, she didn't she didn't want to dump me, so she invited me to come out. And uh, that was about nine or nine or ten years ago now. And you know I couldn't be happier. I love San Diego. Yeah, what a great move uh, um, for you to come out here. And there's a lot of coaches that I've talked to that have made that jump and absolutely have enjoyed it and loved it. So you're now the you were the assistant. You're an assistant uh, coach at Saint Augustine under Coach Sanchez. Coach Sanchez goes to San Diego State. The head coaching job opens up. What urged you to apply for that job, and how excited were you that you were going to stay at Saint Augustine and be the head football coach when you found out they were making you the head ball coach? Well, I was really excited. I mean, I I knew that when Richard left, I knew it could happen, you know, either this year or next year that Richard would leave because he gets college offers all the time, and he's an unbelievable football coach and an even better man. Uh, so I knew he was going to get some opportunities. And so for the last three, you know, two, three, or four years, I've been kind of preparing for the idea that this might happen and just trying to learn as much as I could from him, uh, make good relationships at the school and, um, and, 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 and with the players. And so when he left uh, – I immediately said, okay, this is my chance. You know, I'm going to build my resume and I'm going to turn it in and I'm going to interview for the job and hopefully I get it. 
uh, it was a challenge. I mean, I think there were like 85 people that applied, and uh, it took six weeks, you know, multiple interviews. And uh, I guess they liked you know, the fact that I was already there, and we've been very successful in the past uh, nine years under Coach Sanchez. And, and so I think um, having a familiar face made it an easy transition. You know, we run all the same systems pretty much. There's a few tweaks here and there, but um, there's a lot of recall with our players. And I think, uh, you know, that gave me an, an opportunity to get the job. And, you know, I'm glad about that. I'm not going to take it for granted. I, I love Saints. It's the only place I've ever coached football. And some of the guys on my staff said we were spoiled, you know, because this is a great place to be. And, and, I, and I'm thankful every day, but I uh, couldn't be happier to be in Saints. It's a great school, uh, unbelievable community of alumni. And, and, uh, and and just the overall feel of the atmosphere at Saints is a great place. I, I totally feel on that. Uh, I was part of the program in the early 2000s when my dad was a defensive coordinator at St. Augustine. And when he was there, and it still is there today, the community that supports St. Augustine and the student body and how they support every single sporting event, regardless of what it is, and they go full out in the pit. How much of the community involvement was involved in your decision that you wanted to stay because of how great they are as a community? Well, this school reminds me of some of the schools where I'm from in Ohio. I mean, they're just, they just love athletics at St. Augustine. And it's, it's not just football. Just, just like you said, I mean, basketball team, the volleyball team will have a pit. I mean, it's just amazing. And so it, it definitely reminded me of kind of one of those Midwest schools where people really care about athletics. And it's not all we care about. We're a very well-rounded school. And, uh, you know, we just built a new performing arts center. And we're one of the best academic institutions in the whole county. Um, so it's just such a great place. And having the all-boys uh, aspect of it, I think, um, enables our kids to focus more, obviously. Um, and then it helps them be closer to each other. Uh, the, the brotherhood people talk about at other schools, uh, sure you have it, but at Saints it's it, it's a real thing you can almost see and feel and uh, touch. I mean, it's just an amazing place to be. Let's talk about your, your Saintsmen you have this season. You guys are off to a nice 3-0 and start. Uh, you beat two teams that you know everybody knew you were going to beat, but then to go up to Loyola and, and defeat a good loss, a historic program like Loyola on the road uh, had to be a great feeling for you as a head coach and for your team. What can you say about uh, last week's win against uh, Loyola? Well, it's, it's a challenge. Two, two years ago we went up there, and we left with four and a half, five hours before the game and we were sitting still on the 405. And so we got there about 40 minutes prior to kickoff, um, and so I kind of remembered that, and I said, never again. So we left at noon, got up there about three hours prior to the game, no traffic, it was nice. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a good football program, as you mentioned. And so just planning the logistics of the trip along with the game plan and just making sure our kids understand this is a business trip. We're not going up here to sightsee in downtown L.A. We're going up here to win a football game. And our, our kids really bought into it. Our assistant coaches did an unbelievable job preparing them. Uh, and then we just went out and executed and, and made some big plays. But uh, like, like you said, it was a huge win for us. They beat us really bad last year, like 42-0, to zero, something like that. And uh, so our kids are ready to avenge that loss. And they just played their butts off and got it done. So it felt great. Let's talk about some of the kids you have on your team. I've noticed on Twitter you got a you got a tight end that you guys call Gronk, and you got a great uh, junior quarterback that played last year as a sophomore. Besides, you know those guys that I mentioned, you guys have a bunch of other players as well. What can you say about you know some of the players you have that are uh, impact players for you uh, for the Saint Augustine Saints this year? Well, just, just like you said, thankfully we do have a lot of players that are good, and it, it definitely helps you win. It makes coaches look good, but. 
they go out there and do the job, and they're the ones actually playing. But let's start with the first guy you mentioned, uh, Michael Ambaxer. We do nickname him Gronk because he's a big tight end, 6'4", 240-pound kid, um, and he's, he's a really good football player. He started for us ever since he was a freshman. Uh, he actually played offensive line for us his first two years. Uh, and that's where we needed him. And he's one of those selfless kids that just wants to win, doesn't care where he plays. He is a, the epitome of whatever, whatever position helps the team. And so I think he was pretty excited when we moved him to tight end this year because our offensive line made a lot of good guys there. and We didn't need him there. So uh, he's just big, tough. He's got ball skills. Uh, he can play multiple positions. He, does, he plays a little bit of defensive end as well. But he, uh, he had some insane stats on Friday night. I think he had 200 yards and three touchdowns on four catches. So uh, not too shabby for that guy. And very, uh, you know, a, a very, very good performance. Probably the best of his career. Um, the, the quarterback, Angelo Peraza, like you said before, he got, I think he played six or seven games for us last year. He came in and started about midway through the year. Um, and he's just a, a great leader. I named him a captain along with Michael as well. And they're only juniors. So it kind of tells you that they're leaders, and uh, the guys love to play for Angelo. I mean, he controls the huddle. He's not real big now. He's about 5'7", 165 pounds, but he has command of those big fellas, and uh, they really listen to him when he's calling the plays and when he's making the checks. And, you know, playing on our offense is not easy. We run the West Coast, multiple formations, multiple personnel packages. He's got to count numbers in the box and check plays left or right or, or sometimes get into a whole new play. And so he does a great job just uh, being calm and, He's not afraid of any big moment. You know, he doesn't clam up on you. Uh, he's an unbelievable player to have on our team. Um, the next guy on defense I'd like to mention is JT Panic. He's a, a linebacker, plays our rover spot, which is sometimes he's out of the box, sometimes he's in the box. Uh, he has some really insane stats this year. He has a 70-yard pick six. Uh, he's all over the field. I think he has 25 tackles, uh, you know, around six sacks or something like that. He's just all over the place. Very, very aggressive kid. Um, he's also a two-sport two athlete baseball guy as well. But um, I could go on and on, and this podcast would last forever with all the great <laughs> players we have right now. But those those three guys kind of stick out in my mind. Let's talk about uh, your next game because, you know, it, as fun as it is getting a big win on the road against a Southern Section team, uh, it, it's our, it, when it comes to football, you already got to get ready for next week. You got Otai Ranch. Otai Ranch is a pretty decent team. Uh, they're just outside the top 10 in the Union Tribune. Uh, I am really high on the Otai Ranch Mustangs. It's going to be a nice little game for you guys. I know you've watched film already. What does Otai Ranch do that's good um, that you guys are aware of? Well, Otai Ranch is a, is a good football team. They have a lot of good players. Uh, j- just watching them over the last couple of days, uh, Puka Stewart, their quarterback, number 14, is a very, very good athlete. I mean, he, he runs the ball really well. He throws it well. Um, you know, he's, he's hard to tackle. And, they, and they, they're an old-school-style football team. I mean, they line up in 21 personnel, and they just try to pound the ball. They run power about every other play. Um, so they're just trying to impose their will on you. And so our, our guys have to match that intensity. And we're going to have to stop the run in order to beat this team. And uh, they've been very, very close to beating us the last couple of years. I mean, we had to come back on them last year um, over at their place. And they they always really want this game. They, I think they beat us about five or six years ago um, at home. So um, they've been one of those teams that's always kind of, you know, maybe o- overlooked a little bit, but they always play us tough. And I have a lot of respect for Coach uh, Christensen over there, and he does a good job with, uh, you know, just uh, coaching the guys up. And he has a great staff over there. So, um, it's going to be a big challenge for us, for sure. I know that they want to want to um, beat us really bad, and um, I'm hoping our kids want to beat them a little more. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a big challenge. I'm excited. 
I'm excited for that game as well. That's going to be a great game uh, between St. Augustine Saints and the Otay Ranch Mustangs. Um, I don't want you to look ahead too far, but you got to be um, excited about how good the league is this year. Madison's 3-0. You guys are 3-0 and, and won a game against the Mission League last week. Cathedral Catholic just came off a big win over uh, another Mission League school. So the Western League's looking pretty good right now. Uh, what can you say from a, a pride standpoint of how well you know you and your your fellow rivals have been doing against uh, outside opponents? Well, the Western League is the best league in San Diego, I believe. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about the Avocado of North, um, a very very great league. Obviously, uh, I think the Western matches up really well to them. Um, obviously, Cathedral Catholic, Madison, uh, those are great football teams. I mean, those guys got they're loaded with talent. Very well coached, both programs, Sean Doyle, Cathedral, and Rick Jackson over in Madison. And um, what I like about it is our goal is to win the Open Division title. And so right now, I think we're ranked at number five. And so the top four go. And, uh, you know, our destiny is in our own hands because we play both those teams that are ranked ahead of us, uh, which is exciting. You don't have to worry about anything except just taking care of your business and controlling what you can control. So, um, you know, great programs. You know, obviously, the Holy Bowl is a big deal every year. We're excited it's at our place this year. Uh, and then, obviously, Madison is a great opponent as well, and they're going to be really tough to beat. But uh, we're excited. We just go one day at a time. You know, we, we try to beat you know each team we face. We don't want to overlook them. I know it's hard not to do. Um, but our, our, our kids are pretty focused, and they're, they're, they're ready to get outside this week. Real quick, I want to talk about the Holy Bowl because you brought it up, and it's a big deal in this town for you know the Catholic community. You being a guy that you know came in from the outside, uh, you know coming from Ohio, Indiana, when you first saw this game, what was your initial reaction, and, and what do you think of um, the Honor Bowl in terms of just you know what the game is? Well, the game is unbelievable. I mean, the atmosphere of that game is gives you chills when you're walking into the stadium when the guys are warming up. I mean, it means a lot to a lot of people. And we don't take that lightly in Saints. You know, we, we really want to beat them, and they really want to beat us. And it reminds me of a college football-type rivalry. I mean, it's just an amazing feeling. Uh, a little bit more amazing when you win it than it is just being there. But and which I've done, a, 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 I've been a, uh, fortunate enough to be a part of about three victories against those guys. And it feels great every time. So um, it's just one of those rivalries that's a special thing, and I feel blessed to be a part of it. Coach Joe Kramer of St. Augustine. High school, the head football coach for the Saintsmen. Got a big game against Otay Ranch this Friday before they start league play coming up. Coach, thanks for joining me today, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you the Holy Bowl week. Thanks a lot. Go Saints. Let's get to the topic of the week. And, and right now, it's everyone's talking about rankings, and everyone's got seem to have their own different rankings. But the only rating that matters is the Cal Prep slash Max Prep ratings. That determines the playoffs. That determines um, a lot of stuff at the end of the season. So, what is your opinion on the matter? Do you like having, you know, you played here in the county before? Do you like having the human element picking the playoffs, or do you like the way it is now with how Cal Preps and Max Preps determines the uh, the seating and, and how the playoffs work? You know, the human element leaves some variables in there that, that can be questioned. Uh, favoritism or strength of a program. Sometimes you lean towards a group because they're just typically pretty good. And even when they're having a down year, sometimes they get a little bit more favor than they probably deserve. So I'll say this. I don't have a problem with human rankings, but I also don't have a problem with the computer system. The only problem I have with the computer system is the transparency. If everybody knew exactly what we were dealing with in terms of the algorithm, uh, I think it might it might put 
more people at ease. I look at us where we are right now in Division Three, and I have to question sometimes what it's going to take to move up in the rankings. Obviously, head-to-head matchups settle everything. Uh, strength of schedule, I get it, but you know I don't get to see all of the numbers. So I would say this. It's a pretty good system. I wouldn't fight against the system. I wish we all knew a little bit more about the system. Uh, and obviously, it's far less subjective than the human mind. Uh, so I think, you know, we're, we're at least comparing things evenly when you use a computer system. But, you know, let's be honest, no system, no system at all works perfectly other than an actual playoff uh, to the end. And, and as long as the teams that should be in the playoffs are there and they get a chance to square up with, with each other, there's no ranking system in the world that beats head-on, you know, head-to-head competition. Thanks again to the two coaches, uh, Coach Kramer of San Augustine and Coach Gardnera of Scripps Ranch for taking the time to talk to us today and give their opinions on whether or not they like the, the max preps ratings slash cal preps ratings or the human element. I agree with the fa- with what we have right now. I think it's a good system. Uh, I disagree with the four-team playoff. I think it still needs to be eight teams. I think there wasn't enough years of data um, to determine, hey, you know what, the bottom four teams are not going to make it because it's going to be tough this year because there is a play-in game for the Open Division right this week in, in Helix and Cathedral. Whoever loses that game will not make the Open unless you know something drastically happens. Uh, but the winner of that game is going to be in a prime spot to make the open. The loser's probably not going to make it. Um, as far as the rating system's concerned, I like the way it's it, it's just there's just so many people, and it doesn't matter who you are, myself included. There are biases, and there's biases when it comes to you know who you think is good and who you think is bad. There's biases all over the place. You see it in college football with the committee they have. Uh, I like the way it's computer. Um, computer formulate uh, mathematically um, the mathematical equation uh, to determine who the top four teams are or whatever whatever have you uh, and I think the rating system is pretty good because it's fairly accurate to um, who's good and who's not and it comes to the point where none of these rating none of these rankings matter I mean everybody has their own rankings now I have my own I do rankings uh, Prep Insider does rankings. The UT has rankings. The, co- the coaches' corners got uh, you know a top twenty-five that only one person votes on. We know of you know multiple media members have their own you know uh, top ten, and the PPRs got their own. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what Cal Prep says. That's it. I mean, you can say, "Oh, you're sleeping on this team." Yeah, it's fine. Look at the Max Preps ratings. Max Preps. You're one. You're you're two and one. You got a rating of a fourteen. That's not very good. Okay, it's 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 computer generated, and it it uh, makes it an even playing field, especially when you play teams out of county. So many times that we're doing nowadays compared to uh, previous years, it sets the standard for how good that team really is. Because I'm telling you right now, most media members have no clue who is good outside of San Diego County and who is not. I like to say I like to think I have a general idea, but I'm gonna tell you right now. I know Loyola is good traditionally. I know their program's good. I couldn't tell you how good they are this year. I couldn't compare them to a team in San Diego. I couldn't tell you how good they are. I still think it's a great win for St. Augustine. I don't. I my perception of Loyola is totally different than maybe somebody that covers a team in L.A. Same thing with San Clemente. I mean, we had anointed Tory Pines for weeding San Clemente. We acted like they beat like Mission Viejo, which they did not. It was San Clemente, who's probably more of a San Diego team 
than an Orange County team. And again, tip your cap to the, to uh, LCC and Torrey Pines for winning the winning that game. Both of them beating San Clemente. That's a good win for them because again, they're a top five team in San Diego if they came down here to play. But it's not. It's just different perceptions of who we think is good and who we don't think is good. We're all the Sam Darnold went to San Clemente, therefore San Clemente must be good every year. And the, the fact of the matter is they're not. And I know they're in Division One of the Southern Section. Go to Cal Prep, see where they're rated. They're last in Division One, and the only reason why they're in Division One is because they won a state championship not too long ago and they got bumped up. They're about to drop out of Division One in the Southern Section. Granted, good win. But it's not as great of a win as people perceived it to be. And that's the same thing with the Sarah Gardena win for, for Cathedral Catholic. That was a huge win. Nobody had any belief. Nobody thought Cathedral could beat Sarah Gardena, especially the way LCC played him in the first game. But one person's perception of, of Sarah Gardena is different than another's. One media member thought Sarah Gardena was really good and that Cathedral should be number one this week because of their win. There's other media members that, that think Sarah Gardena is the Sarah that's down the street off the 15 in Tierra Santa. There's too many misconceptions there. There's too much bias. There's too much people that making the decisions don't actually know what's going on. That's why you leave it to the computers. There's mathematical formulas. It's out of our hands. Okay? You don't have a homer like me talking about how great Cathedral's win is when you can look on it on paper and go, you know what, maybe it wasn't as great of a win as we thought. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, using it as an example. Again, I brought up Saints. Saints is my high school rival. Couldn't stand those guys when I played them. A little bit different now. I'm now in the media. Okay, I'm... You know, you have your own high school ties and stuff. But there's a little bit of bias there still. And it's not just me. There are multiple people here that still have biases, whether they like to admit it or not. So that's why I'm I'm for the Max Preps ratings. I trust the Max Preps slash Cal Preps ratings. Take it out of the human's hands. Let it be decided on the field. And let the power rating system do its thing. And if you look at it, the reason why... The open playoff, the top four teams have won every single time. And why they had to change it was because the seedings were right. Because they took the people out of it and had the computers do it. The seedings were right. Hey, the eight team didn't beat the one. That's not like we like upsets. Yeah, I understand that. But the fact that the way it's seeded and the way it was seeded proves that the new system is working. And the number one team is actually the number one team. And number two and three and four and so on. So that's why I'm for it. Let's get to this week's game picks. We got a lot of big games this week. We do have another Avocado League game that's going to start off. Number 11, Carlsbad, uh, taking on number 12, Mission Hills. Those, of course, according to um, the U Union Tribune slash Max Preps. So how I do the rankings here. Uh, top 10 are probably going to be the Union Tribune rankings to about 15 or so, and then we take the Cal Preps ones, um, and it, it usually matches out. So Carlsbad 2-1 at Mission Hills 0-3. Give me Mission Hills in this game. Uh, I know they're 0-3. They're hosting it. 
It's a San Diego team. It's a team they know very well. I think the schedule pays out for them. Uh, give me Mission Hills in that game. Uh, going on to some non-league games. Grossmont at Eastlake is going to be a great game. I was down at Eastlake's practice on Monday uh, with Coach McFadden uh, with the football podcast for Southern California Prep Insider. And uh, they got their guys going, and they got a pretty good squad down there. Number 17, Grossmont, traveling down to Eastlake, who's number 8 in the county. Uh, give me the Titans in this one. I think this is around the time where uh, Coach McFadden's going to get all of his stuff worked in. Kids are going to start remembering what his offense was. People are going to start remembering what how to run things. Uh, and Give me Eastlake in this game. Helix at Cathedral Catholic, I will not pick. That's going to be a great game. Look for it to be a close game. Modern Day at Kearney is another one. That's going to be interesting. Kearney has just up completely obliterated the first two teams they've played. They're 2-0. and Modern Day is 1-2. They've played a little bit more difficult of a schedule. Uh, I think this game's going to be a good one. And uh, give me a Kearney in, uh, in a tight one. Look for their offense to score a lot of points uh, for the Comets. That game's at 6-30 at Kearney High School. Mira Mesa at Scripps Ranch. This is a meeting of two teams. Uh, that is a rivalry. They've met 22 year for. They've met 22 times over the last 23 years. Mira Mesa is 18 and four all time against Scripps Ranch. Uh, I don't know if you checked out my tweets earlier this week, um, but I wanted to highlight that this is the first time these two schools meet undefeated, uh, which is incredible. I can't believe. Honestly, I can't believe that's um, you know ever happened. Um, that is, it hasn't happened before because Scripps Ranch had some good teams back in the day with Kellen Winslow um, and then Kellen Winslow Jr. Mira Mesa was really good in the early 2000s. So number 16, Mira Mesa, 3-0 at Scripps Ranch, who's 3-0, number 46 in the county. Game's at 6.30. We're talking to Coach Gardenera. Um, and he didn't like my pick earlier that I had on the podcast, on the on the football podcast. I think Mira Mesa's going to win by 21 points. I'm still sticking to that. Uh, you know, as a Scripps Ranch uh, resident, and everything like that. I'd love to see them win, and I like what they're doing with that program, but um, I think Mira Mesa is just going to be a little bit too much uh, for the Falcons on Friday. Monta Vista at Christian, another battle of two undefeated squads. Monta Vista just outside the top 10 uh, in San Diego. Christian is off to another hot start, as they always do. That game's going to be at Granite Hills on Friday at 7 o'clock. Uh, look for McClendon to have a really big day, and I think Monta Vista pulls this one out. Morse at Vista. Another great game, battle of two 2-1 uh, teams. Morse comes in at number three, 33 in the county. Vista comes in at number 24. Vista's only losses to uh, LCC, who's in the top 10. And then uh, Morse's only losses to Lincoln, who's been in multiple top 10 votes. Uh, I'm going to take, take Morse in this one. I'm going to go on the limb. I'm going to take Morse. I think the Tigers have a lot of athletes. I think they're uh, they're really good with Shamar Martin uh, as an offense, and they're ground and pound football. Uh, they don't they don't mess around. They're not running spread. They're going to try to you know be more physical than you, and that's how they're going to get the win. Olympian at Hilltop, an 0-3 Olympian versus Hilltop, who's one and two. Look for Olympian to get their first win this week. Otai Ranch two and one at Saint Augustine three and zero. This is my favorite game of the week uh, because Otai. I'm a big believer in Otai Ranch. And uh, I know some of the some of the media people are not high on Otai Ranch. Uh, I'm high on Otai Ranch. I think they're a good football team. I think they're going to give Saints a really good tester in San Diego County. Again, I don't know how good Loyola is. I know they're good and they've been good in the past. Uh, but I think this is their best in section tester. 
to determine how they are when it, in terms of the county. Um, but I, I got St. Augustine in this game. I think Saints gets it done. I think they go 4-0. I like what Coach Kramer's doing this year. I think they're a little ahead of schedule. I wasn't expecting them to come roaring out of the gates despite what their schedule was. Um, but give me St. Augustine in this game. I think they moved to 4-0. I think Otay Ranch just falls by you know maybe a touchdown, um, but I think they make it close for the majority of the game. Ranch Bernardo, number 13, who's 2-1, and one, traveling to Point Loma, uh, who's 1-2, and two, number 26 in the county. That game will be at 630 Um on the peninsula. Uh, Ranch Bernardo's a good football team. I think they took one, they had one bad game in the first game of the season. They should have beat Madison. Uh, they could have beat Madison. They should have beat him. Uh, just, you know, late touchdown kind of hurt them on that one. They beat Ramona. It was, um, or I mean, they beat Valley Center, which was a good win. Point Loma beat Ramona at home. Uh, and that's an interesting team because Point Loma is a team that should be 3-0 right now. And on the El Camino game, they lose on a game-winning field goal. They go and hammer Ramona, who hit, who's gotten multiple top 10 votes, uh, including this week. They're number 10 in the Union Tribune poll. Uh, and then, you know, they took one off the chin against Otay Ranch when they're up 17-0 early. So uh, this is this was an interesting game for me. I am going to pick Rancher Bernardo, but Point Loma is going to make it close uh, on Friday night. Valley Center at Imperial. Um, just like I said on multiple of my podcasts and other sports, it is tough to go to the Valley, I mean, in, uh, Imperial County and get wins uh, just because of the bus ride and the unfamiliarity of driving that far. It's got a far trip for Valley Center. They are the better football team, and they should win, but I think Imperial will make it close because of the travel. Uh, but give me the Jaguars in that one. So to recap, I got Mission Hills over Carlsbad. I got Eastlake over Grossmont. I got Kearney over Modern Day. I got Mira Mace over Scripps. I got Monta Vista over Christian. I got Morse over Vista. I got Olympian over Hilltop. I got Otai, I got St. Augustine over Otai Ranch. Rancho Bernardo over Point Loma. And Valley Center over Imperial. Another great podcast uh, today. Thanks again to Coach Kramer and Coach Gardner for joining me. Um, for Christian Pedersen and Tommy Morris, Noah Alexia, Scotty Gange, all the guys in the San Diego County covering high school football. Um, I'm Braden Suprenit. You've been listening to Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Suprenit and Southern California Prep Insider.